Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to another Ask Zach. I hope you are doing well today. Today we're going to, uh, you know, kind of tell the rest of the story on uh, two episodes uh, where we've had more information uh, come in. We're going to talk about the rest of the story on the Mostortion, and we're going to do a little more picking fingers. So, kind of a good follow-up. Uh, first, a little short pause for the cause. Uh, if, uh, you've been enjoying the show, I hope you will go down and subscribe. And if you'd like to support the show, I hope you'll go to askzack.com and go to the, uh, the store and you can pick up one of these nice mugs right here or a nice t-shirt. And I really appreciate it. Also at askzack.com, I'm uh, releasing, uh, you know, kind of interviews and things that I've done in the past, uh, for print. And uh, the latest on there is a uh, interview that I did for print with Reggie Young concerning his album Forever Young. And that was the kind of one and only uh, solo record that he did. And he uh, released that just a couple of years before he passed away. And so that was a very special interview. And I hope you will, uh, again, go to askzack.com and, and check that out. All right. So I kind of opened the show doing some... Uh, finger style stuff on my uh, Dano caster. Uh, it was just, just had some, a touch of compression on it straight into the amp playing on the back pickup. Um, I had played it with both pickups and with, uh, with echo on and it, it got a little, uh, got a little out of control, but, uh, anyway, I wanted everything to be clear, especially after last week's clean and clear episode. Uh, so I wanted to show some, uh, some more, you know, kind of finger style, pick and fingers, I should say, uh, licks. And so I played a couple of them in this. And uh, here is the first one. 
And I love this one because the first time I heard it, it was used um, for the key of G. And my guitar teacher, or I should call him my guitar dad, Pat Grogan, uh, back in Corpus Christi, Texas, showed me the lick and played it you know, over a G. Then I saw John Jorgensen play the same lick, but used it in E minor. And it was like, of course, I didn't understand relative minor and, and, and such. But uh, here's, here's the lick. And I played it in the little opening piece. It's this. play it real slow starting on the B note on the high E string and then you're kind of playing alternating um, you know open strings and, and fretted notes so nice bounce to it. So that's the way I was originally shown it. Well, then I saw John Jorgensen use it like this. It's like, whoa, that's cool. You might even played it, you know, over a E add nine or two or whatever you want to call that. But anyway, so yes, you can use that same lick over E minor. over E7. So those are, uh, that's a, a really fun picking fingers lick. Uh, here's another one that'll get you, uh, that'll help you on your roll pattern. And so this is a pick finger finger. And, uh, and here I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the lick and then I'm gonna show the right hand and then I'm gonna do the two together. So here's the lick. Fun. Uh, so here's just the right hand. That seems pretty easy. And again, that's just starting with your pick on the A string and then doing the, the finger uh, fingers are doing the D and G, and then you go down to the D string, and then you're doing the G and B, and then you're going down to the G string and doing the B and E. So you get the... Okay, but what you do is you have, when you add the left hand in, you have these uh, hammer-ons. This one's a little more banjo-y, but again, using you know, good picking fingers. Here's the lick. So uh, you know we've got our first finger, you know, barring the uh, you know the the G and B notes on your high E and B string, and your pinky is you know playing this uh, you know C sharp note. So that's number one. Then this, and that's the your first finger playing this, uh, you know, this uh, B flat note, yeah. You know. 
And then, of course, you know, playing those open uh, B and E strings. And then you do the same thing, but move it up. No, no, you don't. Don't do that. Because you go to the fourth fret on the uh, D string, and then fourth fret on the uh, A string, and then so. Okay. So, those are some cool pick and finger licks to work on, and so that's kind of a continuation of the pick and finger episode that I did, and I uh, hope you will continue to uh, work on that. Now, uh, I did an episode on the Mostortion pedal, which is one of my favorite overdrive pedals and is quite popular here in the Nashville area. and. I tried to find the designer of the pedal and I could not track him down. And of course, after I did the episode, uh, which was released in early March, uh, he found me on Facebook and we ended up having a nice phone conversation and was w able to kind of get the rest of the story on, uh, on the Mostortion. So here she is. Of course, I've got another one in my pedal board underfoot. I've got a couple of these. Yes, it's a sickness. Uh, so yes, so with the Mostortion, I asked him, uh, you know, first, you know, how he started working for Ibanez and he started working part-time as a repairman uh, and just kind of doing odd jobs in the early 1980s. Uh, then, you know, went, went full-time and uh, was working in pedals and pickups uh, for electric guitars. Um, then uh, one of the the real trends in the 80s was trying to have, because transistor amps were really dominating in the 80s, and uh, everyone was trying to make a transistorized amp that sounded like a tube. And so Marshall and others were using MOSFETs, and they were calling them things like MOS valve and, you know, all sorts of different things. And uh, so John Lomas, who is the name of the designer, uh, at Ibanez, who designed the Mostortion, he was really interested in this MOSFET chip. So he got one, and the first thing he did was he took a tube screamer and jammed it in there. And he said immediately he liked the sound better. He said it was had more headroom, and it was more sensitive to pick attack. And I would have to agree that the Mostortion is more, it does have more headroom and, and better pick attack, and it's more responsive to me than a tube screamer. And, uh, and that, you know, from there, he then decided the other thing he didn't like about the tube screamer was the EQ on it, which of course was a single knob and basically a treble control. So with that, uh, he started looking around, and the amp that they had in, uh, in the test room at Ibanez was a little PV transistorized amp. Well, looking at it, of course, it had bass, treble, and mid. And, you know, it was, uh, and it, Hartley had actually taken the design from Leo Fender, which Leo Fender could have gotten that from a tube amp, or a tube, you know, book or something. But uh, anyway, he took the, uh, the passive, you know, tone controls off that PV amp, which came from like blackface fenders, and uh, put it in the Mostortion. So, in essence, 
this is a tube screamer that has uh, the chip as a MOSFET instead of the 4558, and then uh, you know, and then has the EQ from basically a Fender Blackface amp. And uh, I asked him, uh, you know, why did you come up with it? And he said, well, I was just trying to keep a job. And he said, and uh, the MOSFETs were were interesting, and I was just trying to make a good sounding pedal. And he says, a good sounding overdrive pedal. So even though this is called a distortion, it was never designed to be a distortion. That's just who, that's, you know, the higher ups at Ibanez named it that. He said he wanted to call it the Moss Drive, which I really like that name. I wish it would have been called the Moss Drive. I think it probably would have sold better. You know, but instead it got the name Mossdortion and, uh, and has Mossfet distortion on there. And I think they, uh, lost a lot of customers. I think if they would have called it the Moss Drive and uh, as an overdrive, I think it would have uh, sold a lot better. And if they would have put an emphasis on the powerful EQ, you know, that it has. So it was a really interesting uh, conversation and I'm very appreciative to John Lomas for reaching out to me and kind of telling me uh, how this thing came about. And uh, uh, he said that, uh, it sold terribly. He said that they couldn't give these guys away. Uh, and he was, uh, I think he was kind of worried for his job, but uh, John Lomas really redeemed himself by being the guy at Ibanez that pushed for the Tube Screamer to be reissued, specifically the TS9. So Ibanez was not interested at all in doing a TS9 reissue. And he kept pushing for it and pushing for it. And finally they agreed to it and they sold thousands of them off the bat, you know, thousands of them. And it was all because, you know, the, everyone was, you know, going Stevie Ray Vaughan crazy. And there was, you know, the only tube screamer out there at the time was the little sound tank and the little, uh, TS 10. And, uh, you know, I even think the TS 10 was kind of on its way out. So anyway, yeah. So John Lomas, uh, more than redeemed himself by, uh, you know, by you know, getting them to uh, reissue the original TS9, of course, with the original manual and box and everything. So, and those are, you know, those are great pedals and those were made by Maxon. And of course, later on, Ibanez and Maxon kind of parted ways. And that's why you have Ibanez pedals and Maxon pedals. And uh, just not to, you know, go down the rabbit hole, but, you know, Ibanez is a name, you know, they don't really, they don't own a factory and, uh, so they would have different factories make things for them. And it's just that Maxon used to be the factory that made stuff for Ibanez. And then they, they parted ways. And so then Maxon started making a lot of those same designs that they had, some of them they had come up with themselves and, uh, you know, started putting them out there. So there you have it. So thanks to John Lomas for reaching out to me. And it's nice to kind of know the rest of the story with the Mostortion, which is a fun pedal. Know that it was a tube screamer with blackface uh, tone controls and a, and a MOSFET chip. All right. Well, guys, I hope uh, you've had, hope you're having a good week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I uh, hope you keep working on your picking fingers and we'll see you next time. Thanks and bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.